Dr. Stephen Kupferman, DMD, MD, co-founder and CEO of Medva, that's MedVA, like virtual assistant, holds his DMD and MD degrees from the Harvard School of Dental Medicine and UCLA's David Geffen School of Medicine, respectively. He first pioneered the use of virtual assistants to optimize the management of his six oral surgeon practice while simultaneously improving the quality of patient care. He then went on to found Medva, a healthcare virtual staffing company. They vet the healthcare professionals themselves, mostly of whom are registered nurses in the Philippines, before they hire them, and then they're trained in the Medva proprietary program to optimize practice management. So we talk about the advantages and disadvantages of, of hiring a virtual assistant, how he defines a virtual assistant rather than just any pandemic employee who's working from home, and where to start when you're delegating tasks to your first virtual assistant. Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a practical guide for practicing physicians. Dr. Bradley Block interviews experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. The ideas expressed on this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee and do not represent those of their respective employers. Those on this podcast accept no liability for the outcomes of medical decisions based on this information. As the radiologists like to say, clinical correlation is required. This is not medical advice, and this does not constitute a physician-patient relationship. If you have a medical problem, seek medical attention. And now, here's Dr. Bradley Block. And now a word from this week's sponsor, Laurel Road. Taking out med school loans had me watching every penny. I took two buses to get to campus. During my residency, I walked 20 blocks. But since I opened a Laurel Road link checking account when I refinanced my loans, I got a crazy low rate plus a cash bonus. And all that extra money helped me finally buy my own car. Where are we going? Anywhere we want. Laurel Road for doctors. Banking insights and benefits uniquely designed for doctors. See laurelroad.com slash doctor checking for full terms and conditions. Laurel Road is a brand of KeyBank NA member FDIC. Dr. Steve Kupferman, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. I've been uh, waiting for this for a long time. <laughs> Okay, so so we're going to be talking about virtual assistants today. And so let's start off with what is a virtual assistant? So a virtual assistant essentially uh, is a employee who works from home. Uh, generally, as a virtual assistant, we're typically talking about somebody who's working from another country. So um, when it has to do with healthcare, these are usually healthcare professionals, uh, in the Philippines or South America who are working from home doing the typical tasks that um, are done in a medical or dental or veterinary office, but they're doing them remotely, um, usually you know, at nighttime for them. And uh, all the things that are typically done in the office that we now understand could be done remotely, um, that's what a virtual assistant is. Okay, because at the beginning of the definition, it's anyone who works from home that's like, half of America right now. So, uh, and going forward, probably still a significant, uh, significant portion. Um, so what you're saying is it's, it's an employee who's really mostly unable to ever arrive at the site of work. Their, their, their job is in, in its entirety done remotely. And usually they're not in the United States. That's correct. Is that That's always correct. the case that they're, that they're foreign uh, nationals or, or, or at least in a, in a foreign, in another country, or do we, are we seeing some work done here domestically, but just completely remotely? I think the term virtual assistant really refers to somebody who's working from another country. 
rather than somebody who's you know the typical remote employee that we that we know of today. Uh, Got it. Because this this all started before people really, you know, took on to remote employees. Um, that you know occurred mostly during the pandemic. Uh, people started realizing that so much can be done, uh, and so much can be accomplished um, productively from home. So virtual assistants started before that, before people really understood that concept. Now, why would someone hire a virtual assistant? What are what are the advantages there? Oh, so many. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know the 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 easiest way to really think about it from from a, uh, a healthcare provider's uh, perspective is a, a virtual assistant can basically do any of the tasks that are done in an office. Um, uh, easiest to understand would be billing and collections, authorizations, and things like that. Those are really the easiest things that can be done by uh, by a virtual assistant, because for the most part, they're calling people who work for payers that are outside of the country as well. So um, you know, doctors had this um, this uh, difficulty in that payers had an unfair advantage of hire being able to hire outside of the outside of the country using their own virtual assistants. Uh, many of these companies have uh, large offices in the Philippines and other parts of the of, of the world uh, where they um, their workforce is uh, working remotely. This has been around for you know for a long time, uh, and so um, so the easiest way that um, that doctors and healthcare providers can um, utilize virtual assistants would be in communications with payers, insurance companies. Yeah, it, it sounded like, right, uh, you've mentioned a couple of times at the Philippines, which makes me think, well, they're on the other side of the globe. They're in a completely different time zone. And so if they're having to get authorizations from insurance companies, they're going to be calling, like, they're, they're awake in the middle of the night for us. So how are they calling Aetna in the middle of the night and getting anything accomplished? Um, but it sounds like what you're saying is, well, the person that they're calling is often also not in our time zone not in our side of the globe. And so it actually works out maybe even better. Well, the reality is, is um, those people are all working the graveyard shift. Uh, they're working US hours in the Philippines. So, uh, and that's how uh, almost all of our virtual assistants um, are functioning. They are younger healthcare uh, providers or healthcare staff uh, that were physical therapists, pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, nurses, you know, medical assistants who are very comfortable working the graveyard shift. They're younger, they may have young kids, they're happy to do a night shift, and maybe their husband or wife is working the day shift, and when they finish their night shift, you know, their kids are waking up from, uh, you know, from a night, a night of sleep and getting ready to go to school, and then while the kids are in school, they're taking their, you know, their sleep. Uh, just like, you know, a lot of, you know, hospitalists are, are working here in the U.S., you know, they're, they're doing night shifts. Um, some people only do the night shifts. So that's how it's working in the Philippines. A lot of these virtual assistants are, uh, you know, younger, you know, uh, former uh, nurses, and they're just working uh, the night shift. And so, you know, we were talking about the advantages. Is it is it cost? That's the primary advantage there is since uh, there's a lower cost of living in those countries where, you know, the, the salary that you'd pay one is significantly lower. So there's cost savings. I knew you asked me a question that I totally forgot. <laughs> as I was it happens. <laughs> it happens to me too. 
Um, yes, the advantage. Um, so there's obviously a cost advantage. Um, we're taking advantage of the um, the leverage of the U.S. dollar. Um, so there's a there's a tremendous advantage um, uh, there. But I think it's more so, um, you know, particularly in larger cities like you, you know, you practice in New York. I practice in Los Angeles. Real estate is is very expensive. Parking is very expensive. Employment law is very expensive. Um, insurances are very expensive. Um, you know, the, these are, are are what make up all the large comp uh, comp packages for all each and each and every one of our employees. Um, and the hourly rate is just a small part of it. So, so there's um, tremendous advantages um, from a financial standpoint. There's tremendous advantages in in cities like New York, in states like New York and California, where uh, you have a lot of liability when you have employees. Uh, tremendous liability. Um, so there's um, uh, there's huge liability um, advantages uh, in in using uh, remote employees or virtual assistants. Um, but probably the biggest advantage post pandemic or intra pandemic, wherever we are right now, is really the workforce. Uh, we can easily get people from the Philippines to work uh, and retain them for long periods of time. Uh, compared to what we can find here in the U.S. right now. The workforce that made up the typical person working in the doctor's office seems to have disappeared uh, and, and moved up the ladder, so to speak. Uh, and so they're just so hard to find right now. Uh, and, um, and we don't have that if we're using virtual assistants to do a lot of those tasks. So one of the reasons that in our industry, it's, it's hard to find people and hard to keep people is some of their job really just sucks, right? Like, you're getting yelled at by patients that are made to wait. You're getting yelled at by patients that didn't realize they had a high deductible. And so now they're getting a bill. Like you're often dealing with disgruntled people. And a lot of times their hands are tied, right? They don't have a lot of autonomy to be able to solve those problems. So actually one of the things that I'm doing with my practice is I have this, it's called the patient experience committee that ultimately it's the staff experience committee because staff experience is patient experience. And so we're trying to find ways to provide them with more autonomy, make their jobs more fulfilling, make it so that it's a place where they really they really want to work. But when you have a virtual employee, they're so disconnected from you know the 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 work at the office from patients getting healed, patients doing better, patients, right? How do you make sure that their work is fulfilling? So so it's a good question. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why the Philippines is, uh, is such an advantageous location to find virtual assistance. The, 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 the country there, you know, we have an industry here, say in LA, that's very focused on Hollywood and, um, and there it's very healthcare focused and very customer service focused. And um, uh, customer service, which is kind of what you're talking about, you know, the, the uh, patient experience, uh, we, we struggle with that here in the US. Um, you know, there's some great examples that are that have that have thrived in that um, looking at say some great hotel chains and, and other customer service industries in the US. But in the healthcare s sector, we've struggled with that for a long time. And, and, and the, the, the culture in the Philippines is is somewhat different uh, than the than um, than we're used to. They they're very customer service oriented. Uh, they they will do almost anything to make somebody happy. Um, and then in terms of sort of retaining them and keeping them and, and making 
them feel as though, um, you know, their, their work is rewarding, uh, you know, it, it's, it's much easier because they're, they're working for, um, you know, for people in the United States, there's tremendous respect for the United States and the Philippines. Uh, and so, um, it comes along, uh, with the territory when you have, um, you know, younger, um, you know, healthcare uh, professionals, um, who see uh, the uh, the opportunity to work for a U.S. company to get paid um, better than they would say in the Philippines? Um, there's a tremendous um, uh, responsibility that they're taking on, and they they feel really um, re really rewarded by it. All right, so it sounds like a lot of them are coming from the healthcare field to begin with, and so now they are taking on work in the United States, where you know they're. It sounds like there's some mentorship there, right? They're learning from our system. They're learning from the physicians that they're working for, and so the the fulfillment comes from the from the from the learning experience and and the mentorship. So that seems like a, a good way to make sure that they stick around, that they want to continue working for you. So to really yeah foster that relationship. I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's so many, um, you know, so many other reasons. I mean, you know, you know, you think traffic on the LIE is bad, you know, go to Manila for a day, <laughs> take, take a look at what traffic is there. And, you know, if you're going to a hospital that's, you know, 10 miles away, you know, it can take you three hours to get there. Um, so, you know, this is a very appealing job. They get paid very, they get paid in American dollars. So, you know, if you go to another country and you start spending American dollars, you realize, wow, this goes a long way. Uh, the same thing is true, you know, for, for them. So we're able to, we're definitely able to pay them a lot more than they can get paid working in, say, a, a skilled nursing facility or a, a, a nursing home or hospital. Uh, so, um, so it's very rewarding, and the retention rate is very high. So, what about hiring for? It sounds like you use them in your clinical practice, right? But a lot of the listeners, a lot of physicians out there, they have side gigs, right? Everyone's got their side hustle. You got your main hustle. You got your side hustle. And so, if you're if you're looking for a virtual assistant to help you with your side hustle versus your clinical practice, is there like, where do you look? Is there a difference or you're, you're really going to the same place, whether you're using them for something clinical or, or non-clinical or main gig or side gig? Yeah, you're, you're going to the, to the same place. Um, uh, and, and, and you can use them for your side gig, certainly. And, you know, you can use them, you know, one of my big beliefs is, um, that, uh, you know, because, you know, burnout is so high um, in, uh, in healthcare right now that having somebody for a side gig or just a side kick to just be there to help manage life, um, uh, there, you know, I think there's really tremendous advantage in having somebody who, uh, who can do that for you. So, so I, I think this is an answer to burnout. I think, you know, it's the same person. You can have um, you know, any, uh, virtual assistant that you feel you're, you know, comfortable with, they can help you with your side gig. They can help you with your clinical practice, wh whatever it is you want, they're available to help. So where are you going to find one? So the, you know, Fiverr, I, when I was trying to build a website, when I was trying to promote my podcast more places that I would look was, were Fiverr, Upwork, there's this place called Bark for social media, freelancer. So, you know, where am I going to find a virtual assistant? Well, I'm very biased because I run a virtual <laughs> assistant company. Come on, this is a, this is a layup. This is a, this is an alley oop for you. Um, 
So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we have people who, who do, you know, anything from bookkeeping to social media to, you know, just managing your day-to-day life to people who will, you know, do any of the regular jobs in an office, authorizations, insurance, claims, marketing, whatever it may be. So, you know, we, we sort of pride ourselves on being, um, you know, a, a healthcare company uh, or a healthcare tech company where, um, you know, we're, we're able to provide people that have some healthcare background, but they're very technically savvy. Um, and, uh, and so um, we put them through training, we do um, tremendous due diligence. Um, they're all HIPAA certified. And so, um, so, you know, we feel that the people that we're um, training are people who are there to help doctors, whether it's to help them in their clinical practice, to help them manage their uh, regular daily life, which doctors seem to forget about most of the time. <laughs> or, your virtual or, assistant calls, take your vitamins, exactly. <laughs> take your medication. Order me lunch. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and then of course, wait, you know, really? That's a thing. People do that. Uh, yeah. You just give them your, um, Uber eats or DoorDash account and you'll get lunch to your office every day without having to eat garbage or donuts that your local doctor friend sends over. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I didn't realize yeah. I mean, that's why something not? that I mean, like you, know, you would delegate to someone else unless you were right. One of, uh, you were just a- attending the Oscars or something. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, you just have to sort of think about like, you know, cause technology has really changed so much and there's so much that you can get done. I mean, I mean, you know, you, you can do so much as a doctor, but you're just limited by workforce and, and your time. Um, and if you had, um, if you had, you know, obviously we don't have enough time, none of us do. Um, and we can't afford that much workforce because there's just a limit to how much you can produce as a doctor. And so this allows that to, you know, this allows so much of that to be possible. Um, so yeah. So I can see five more patients a week if I don't order my own lunch. <laughs> Huh? Let's try and squeeze blood lunch. from a stone here. Yeah. Or you can actually eat lunch, you know, five days a week. So let's say you're open to the idea, but you're uneasy about delegating to someone that you've never met in person before. Although there's a lot of evidence out there that you, when you do interview someone and meet someone in person, you often judge them by the wrong characteristics and you don't end up hiring them for the right reasons. So the fact that you're meeting not meeting someone in person, it actually does take some of the bias away that would end up misleading you. So, but nonetheless, there is this comfort to having met someone in person and interviewed them in person and as opposed to someone who's who's a million miles away. So if you're just starting to delegate, what would you recommend as some of the early tasks to get the physician comfortable with delegating to a virtual assistant? So the the easiest thing to to do with a virtual assistant if you're working in or running a doctor's office is whatever requires you to contact an insurance company whether that's by paper or by phone that is the the easiest way to get started with a virtual assistant um, and there in any doctor's office that work is endless um, and so so you know if you're trying to start so with anything a, that requires you to wait on hold for hours on end Bingo. Okay. Um, so that's the first place to start with a virtual assistant. Um, uh, or if you're more of an academic doctor, 
I'm sure you have tons of research ideas that you have collected data on, or you have data in your EMR on, you can put a virtual assistant on that. You know, some people are more motivated by those sorts of things rather than the claim adjudication. So if you have a research project that you've been thinking of for, I don't know, the last 20 years and you just don't have the money to get it done or the staff or whatever, you hire a, a nurse from the Philippines who will do it all in very quickly. Um, so any data entry or anything like that, uh, these are really easy, simple ways that anybody can, uh, can, uh, can take to start with a virtual assistant. Uh, yeah, those are the easiest ways to start for sure. And, and there's no doctor that doesn't need one, at least one of those things you can, you know, and then of course there's so much more you can expand on. Um, I was telling you earlier about the, the DoorDash, um, you know, you probably, you're, 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 uh, an otolaryngologist. Uh, you probably have, you know, a bunch of doctors that are sending you patients and, you know, you want to make sure that, uh, they know that you're available and that you, they have your cards available there and, and the, that, that the front office is getting cookies or whatever. So I, I have a virtual assistant who has a DoorDash account who calls offices that we work with all the time, make sure everything's going okay and ask if there's any issues, communication issues. Do you need more cards or referral cards and, you know, send them some cookies or whatever it is. Um, you know, we do that, you know, every day. So when you're interviewing, what are the qualities that you look for? How do you, how do you vet a virtual assistant in an interview? You know, that, that's, a, that's a good question for somebody who's going to try to do this on their own. Um, because, you know, you go on some of these other, you know, other sites where they're not really vetted. It's just a place for people to sort of hang out and be ready to be hired. So, um, so our, all of our virtual assistants uh, at Medva are, are trained and screened. Um, but um, you'll have an opportunity to get three or four different people and, and you'll interview them in a very similar manner to the interview we're having right now, um, which I think everybody is now comfortable with, um, even though there is something to say about meeting somebody in person. But it'll be an interview, um, you know, such as this, where, um, you know, you're, you're just talking and then, you know, you develop a feel for whether you feel that that person, uh, you know, is the one that you want to do whatever tasks you're thinking of having them do. You're going to listen to them talk. You're going to ask them, you know, what they do for fun, you know, and whatever questions you typically ask on a, uh, on an interview. I've done, you know, so, so many of them in person. And, and of course, now I've done so many of them, quote, virtually or on Zoom. And um, I think anybody who's even hiring people to work in their office these days is doing, are doing them on Zoom because no one's coming for interviews anymore. Um, they're either not going to show for the interview that they schedule for or, um, or you know, you, you won't be able to get them to come directly to your office anyway. So, so those are the, I mean, you know, it, it, when you're hiring somebody, you, you know, you have to have a feel for it. You know, if you've never done it before, it's very hard to really, you know, get a feel for what you're looking for. But, you know, it sounds like you've done a lot of them. I've, I've done, you know, a ton. And you just start to get a feel for the kind of person they are and, you know, what makes them tick and, and, and whether they're the kind of person that you want working for you. Do you end up building a team that's remote? So like they end up working together even and, and they're in a similar location. So you've got like a remote team that ends up working together or each member of your virtual team is in a distinct location and they ultimately don't interact with each other that much. Correct. So or they interact with each other only virtually. So it doesn't really matter because it's all virtual anyway. Yeah, so um, they're all working um, remotely, individually, 
um, from either their you know study or closet or, or whatever they have their setup for their home office. Um, so so that's how each and every one of our virtual assistants are working, um, and then they use you know all of the easy, accessible. Uh, you know, HIPAA compliant technologies to communicate. So, um, you know, they'll use a voice over IP phone system. Uh, they'll use um, our, um, you know, Microsoft email servers that you have in your office, or if you're using Google, whatever, whatever you're using for your, uh, for your email. Um, and then, you know, they'll use, uh, you know, a HIPAA compliant uh, chatting version, whether it's uh, Teams uh, enterprise version or whether it's um, Google chat, um, the enterprise version or, uh, or Slack, um, you know, there, there's just so many that you can use to communicate. So, um, so it doesn't matter where they are. We, we've all kind of learned that already. Are there any legal issues you're, you've encountered with hiring someone remotely with regards to like the healthcare system, not with regards to them being an employee? Because I think that's a little beyond the, the scope of this interview, but right, but just, just the healthcare aspects or because they're not practicing medicine, uh, it, it doesn't matter. It's not like they need a, a, a domestic medical license. Yeah. You know, you, it's the same as any employee that you have in your office. You can't give a, um, you can't give, uh, say a high school graduate front office person, the ability to do things that are beyond, um, uh, what is allowed by your licensure in your individual state. So, um, you have to have the same sort of compliance um, that you would have uh, in, in your office. Um, there are some virtual assistants who have USRN licenses, so they're allowed to do more. Um, they're just working re remotely. Um, we we have some uh, that are you know that have taken their NCLEX and they're they're licensed U.S. nurses. They just chose to stay where their family is in the Philippines, and they 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 just you know they want to stay there. So, um, so you know you you have to just like in any office, you have to be sure of uh, of what your employees are doing, and you are ultimately responsible for what they do. Um, so of course, yeah, there are legal, um, you know, uh, implications of that. And you just have to, you know, train your employees in the same way that you would, um, uh, you know, if they're actually sitting in your office. Any parting words for our physician audience? Any, any topics that we haven't touched on? Or has this been the, my usual comprehensive, all encompassing interview? You know, no, I mean, I think that, um, you know, this is uh, certainly something that a lot of people have already sort of, um, you know, uh, thought about and uh, are beginning to realize uh, that um, in, in the, certainly in the private practice of medicine, uh, the ability to find uh, talent, uh, to retain talent, to afford talent um, is becoming more and more scarce. Uh, and, um, you know, we feel that this is a, a solution. Um, we feel it's a great solution. Um, we feel the talent is really um, spectacular, um, and uh, and we think that it's going to catch on, and I think it'll be the future of the private practice of medicine, and most likely larger medical um, organizations that are going to find it harder and harder to find employees and afford employees are going to start to you know to follow suit. Yeah, they'll probably end up building like large hubs in some other countries where they're not where the employees aren't working virtually they actually have to go to work because they have like a you know an information technology center where 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 they have to go to so it's a benefit to us you know there are a lot of places are doing that now that's where their that's where their call center is anytime i have a problem with chase um you know it's not it's not answered domestically so yeah, that's, yeah it's already happening go, yeah if you yeah i mean I, like i went to the philippines when i was starting to look into this and um 
Uh, and and that's why I realized, wow, this is this is the future um, because uh, you know so many American companies have these you know call center uh, hubs there, um, and uh, it just seemed to me like it was really the future for um, uh, for healthcare. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it truly is. So where can people find Medva, and where can people find you online? Uh, Medva.com. Uh, that's where we can Easy find us. Medva.com. Uh, that's where we'll be. That's where we are, and uh, that's where you can easily contact us and uh, ask for some uh, uh, resumes of our um, trained uh, staff, um, who will uh, work for you and um, you know do, do what's needed uh, to uh, maintain the workforce in your office. There's no uh, there's no Medva uh, Twitter and TikTok account or Instagram that we should be following with, or just Medva.com. Well, there is, there, there are, I'm, I'm not the social media guru, but, um, we definitely have an Instagram page or whatever it's called. <laughs> we definitely, have, okay. We'll be sure to follow you. <laughs> we definitely have a Facebook, uh, a Facebook page <laughs> and all that. So yes, we, we'd love for you to follow us. Um, for those who are looking to be followers, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure you can find it all through this, this, the site that you told us medva.com. Great. Fantastic. Well, yeah, I agree. I think this is, this is where we're all, we're all taking our side gigs and, uh, it's, it's time we also take our, our main gigs, our our main gigs in that direction as well. So you've certainly provided a platform to make it easier for us and, and thank you. And thanks for your time. Great. Well, thank you. That was Dr. Bradley Block at the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. He can be found at physiciansguidetodoctoring.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for a previous guest or have an idea for a future episode, send a comment on the webpage. Also, please be sure to leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you next time on the Physician's Guide to Doctoring.